The reading this evening is taken from Psalm 27, starting at verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my Saviour. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not hand me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart, and wait for the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you very much. Good evening, everyone. Good to see you. Um, very good to see you indeed. Uh, my name is Chris. Um, we're going to be looking at this psalm together. So uh, let's take a moment to pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, you know our hearts and you know our fears as well. And Father, we pray so much through your word, by your spirit working in us, that you'd really help us very deeply, we pray. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I bet we've all had those... uh, kind of times when uh, you're in a bit of a stew, uh, maybe a bit of a panic, and you just can't think straight, don't know where to look, and maybe a, a friend or family member, parent perhaps, has, you know, they've had to kind of get you by the scruff of the neck a little bit, and um, they say, look, look at me, look, look at me, I'm here, I'm here, you're okay. You had those moments? Definitely had those moments. There's something of what the Psalms do for us, oh, what God does for us in the Psalms. He gets us to see him, to look him in the eye, and to take heart from that. Um, we're in this series over August in uh, the evenings, looking at the book of Psalms, and um, the book of Psalms in the Old Testament, one of the biggest books in the Old Testament, 150 Psalms, different kind of prayers uh, and songs of all different sorts, thanksgiving, praise, uh, lament, and uh, very precious to Christians over the centuries, deeply precious in all sorts of ways, that they are really a, very de- deliberately, a, a lifeline for us in all sorts of ways. Um, very often they give us the words to say when we don't know what to say. And so often 
they help us where to fix our eyes when we don't know where to look. That's been a testimony of believers all the way through down the centuries. God says to us through these Psalms, look at me, I'm here, you're okay, look at me. And tonight, really our subject from this Psalm 27 is this, it's how to nurture a fearless heart. I like a fearless heart, and I suspect you might as well. How to nurture a fearless heart. It takes nurturing. It doesn't happen automatically. Um, you might have noticed at the beginning of the psalm there, if you have a Bible, uh, you will have noticed it says, of David, in little italics. That is part of the Bible. That's originally in Hebrew. That's part of the scriptures. Uh, it tells us it was uh, written by King David of Israel. And it's worth knowing that because that was a guy with big fears, actually. Big responsibilities as a king and um, big troubles. He had a lot to be scared of. So that helps us to listen, I think, to God through this. And just a word about the situation in this psalm. Um, I don't know exactly, but lots of psalms in the Old Testament, they are in a moment of crisis. And you know, David or whoever is panicking, like, God, just, just help me out, you know, moment of crisis. It's, I think, less so that here. It's more like a, a celebration looking back. So think of it in terms of university students. Uh, you have your exams, and then you have the graduation celebration afterwards, don't you? Um, this psalm, is, I think it's less like exam time. It's crisis, it's panicking, it's like, God, help, help, help. Uh, right in the midst of it. It's less that. It's more like looking back on all the exams. And it was tough, but you got through it. God helped you through it. David is looking back, saying, yeah, God was faithful through all that, and celebrating that. Uh, so a word, actually, just quickly, for those who are um, not, in a sense, looking back, but you're actually kind of in the moments of crisis or trial, even right now. I'm not sure there'll be several in this room. If that's, you know, right the minute, you're, you're going through a really, really bad time. Uh, let me say, don't, don't let Psalm 27 be a burden to you. Because you could read these opening verses, Whom will I fear? Whom will I fear? It's like, I don't feel like that. I am scared. Should I feel like that? I feel bad about that. No, don't let that burden you. But let God kind of give hope to you through this harm, uh, through this psalm. And practical instruction as well, as we're going to see. So how to f- nurture a fearless heart. We're going to look at it in three sections. Uh, so do open your Bible again if you have one. And um, let's look at this. So first of all, we see from David how to nurture a fearless heart. First of all, talk to your heart. Talk to your heart about the safety you can't see. And in summary, really, kind of David can say, even when I don't feel safe, God holds me safe. And I can tell my heart that again and again and again and again. Even though I don't feel safe, God holds me safe. So let's uh, read from verse 1. I'll read it out. Just going through it slowly. So it says, the Lord. So that's the creator God of the universe. The Lord, who's revealed himself to Israel. The Lord, God, is my light. And in the Bible, light really is an image of everything that's good and true, kind of of utter joy. So the Lord is my light and my salvation. So evil and sin, and they're not going to get the better of David. He's utterly sure of this because of who God is. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? And he goes on to the Lord is the stronghold of my life. I love that word. A stronghold, similar word to kind of, Refuge, um, 
A stronghold. Think of being held strongly. Um, so think of, I've never jumped out of a plane, but if you have or if you would do, uh, I would find that very scary. And I think most people would. But you know, if you're tumbling to the ground and it's scary and you think, I don't feel safe. But on your first jump, at least, you have an instructor, instructor kind of attached to your back. And they're holding you, effectively, aren't they? And you're very safe, because in your arms, you're being held strong by them. Even though you're tumbling to the ground, you don't feel safe, but you are safe. And this is David's experience here. So of whom shall I be afraid? I'm okay. But notice here that David is actually is talking to himself. So I mean, it's effectively saying, kind of, David, yes, David, you know, that's a bit weird. But David, whom shall I fear? Do you see, he's talking to himself. But notice that as we go on from verse 2, that as he kind of recalls and imagines all sorts of kind of dangerous events, he's specifically talking to his heart. He's talking to his heart here. So let me read from verse 2. It says, When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. You see, he's talking to the heart. Don't fear heart. And now, why is he talking to his heart? Well, because our heart is the factory of our fears. It produces fears all the time and deep fears. Um, even think of an example with you no know, COVID restrictions easing. Um, you and a best friend, perhaps, you have very, very different reactions to this. Um, and you feel very differently about, you know, maybe you're feeling quite scared about restrictions easing. Your friend, oh, she's okay. She's quite happy about that, you know, that kind of thing. You, very different reactions. You probably had very similar information. You might have slightly different personalities, but you're reacting quite differently in your heart because in one sense, you value perhaps different things in your heart, have different fears, therefore. So if you, if you value especially freedom, then you're probably going to fear losing that freedom. So you've been really happy about being out of restrictions now. But if you really value kind of family in a very particular way, you might be particularly scared about kind of um, the thought of you know the danger to family. And that, do you see? You see, your your what you value, your heart, that can affects your fears. And our fear, our hearts um, make these fears, and fears rise up inside our hearts. And that's why David addresses the heart. He needs to talk about those fears to address them. And he feels safe. He's telling his heart that he is safe, even though he doesn't feel safe. Now, now, what kind of safety are we talking about here? It's nice to say we actually are safe, but what, what are we talking about? Uh, he is talking about a safety in an ultimate sense, certainly. So it, it's not about kind of him being just kind of locked up from harm's way. He's saying in an ultimate sense, evil and sin, they will not get the better of me. I might be kind of hurt in the meantime, but they will not have the last laugh. And, and certainly the hope of heaven, which Christians have, that, you know, it's, that is our ultimate safety. We have that assurance of safety. Uh, but it's also a safety, I think we can say, that we can experience in the here and now as well. And what I mean by that is that we go through really hard things. But the experience of so many, so many believers, is that though it's hard, there will be a point in which you can look back and say, yeah, God kept me. God kept me in that. He held me strong. There will be that kind of sense. And it's the same for us. It can feel like 
evil and sin uh, will just destroy us. You think, I'm finished, this is it. We feel it in our heart and we think, I can't see a way through this. I just literally can't, I don't know. Is this the end? Or I just can't see a way through. It just feels like you're standing in front of a big black hole. It's just, I'm not safe, I don't feel safe. I've had those moments. I'm sure many of us in this room have had those moments. But our hearts need to know, therefore, there will be a time when we can look back and say, yeah, God kept me. He kept me. I was safe. So talk to your heart about the safety you can't see. And then how else to nurture a fearless heart? Let's move on. It's next a case of feeding your heart. Feeding your heart. Let me move on to the next slide. Feed your heart with the beauty that outweighs anything. Verses four to six. And really, here to summarize, um, it's knowing the very presence of God in your heart that is wonderful enough to outweigh even your deepest fears. That's what we see here. So, so let me read from verse four. David says this. One thing I ask from the Lord... This only do I seek. And it's just one thing, not ten things or two things or one and a half things. One thing, and it's this, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For on the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. So so the situation is that David really wants to be at the temple in ancient Israel. The temple where God um, dwelt, lived symbolically. He was there, he was present. And previously he'd been in the the tent, the tabernacle. You can read about it in the Old Testament. But that was where God lived among Israel. And David wants to be there. Uh, Not because it's like an embassy with big high walls and you're not allowed to arrest people there, so it's completely safe. It's not that. It's because he's thinking, if I'm there in the presence of God, worshipping him, my heart won't mind if if there's an army coming behind me. And about to destroy. I, my heart won't mind because I'm in the presence of God. I'm gazing on his beauty. I won't mind. My heart will be fine. Which is really something, isn't it? He, you see, so he wants to feed his heart. He wants to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. It's like, heart, you need to see how beautiful God is. Go and gaze on that. Feed on that. That'll help you have a fearless heart. And think of the. Um, I think it's helpful to, to think, think of the comparison going on in David's mind and his heart at this point. Um, the comparison of, of what satisfies. What satisfies? What do I really need to satisfy me? In this? Uh, is it military power? Because David's had a lot of that. He's slayed the giant Goliath. He's won battles. He's had military power. Does that satisfy? Mm, what about political victory? He's united a country behind him. Does that satisfy? What about sexual pleasure? He stole a man's wife and killed him for it. He's, he's pursued things like Does any of those things satisfy? Or does the beauty of the presence of God satisfy? And his answer is none of those things. None of those things satisfy. 
compared to that. Nothing. So therefore, of, of all the things in existence you could choose to deal with your fears, there's only one thing that can do that. That's the beauty of God's presence. Nothing else can satisfy can deal with your fears. Only the beauty of God's presence will do that. That's why he wants to be in the temple. And he wants to gaze his heart on God's beauty. And for, if you're a Christian, if you're trusting in the Lord Jesus, we don't need to go to the temple. God dwells in us by his Holy Spirit. We have his presence in us. So anytime, anywhere, we can gaze on the beauty of Jesus. This is the spirit of Jesus who died for us. That's what it means for us to gaze on God's beauty. So feed your heart on the beauty that outweighs anything. That's how you get a fearless heart. Let's think a bit more about kind of why this is so important for us. Um, if you're here tonight and you, and you wouldn't call yourself a follower of Jesus, and let me just kind of say that it's, it's possible to think that you know, whatever trials or difficulties will come up, um, there'll be something beautiful in my life enough to compensate for that. So as, as long as I have my family, or as long as I have a pension coming up, or what, but the thing is, nothing is beautiful enough to compensate for, uh, for the trials and the hard times, because you can lose your family, you can lose your pension. None of those things can satisfy. Only the beauty of God can satisfy, can compensate for how awful life can be sometimes. Uh, if you are a Christian, many of us here are Christians tonight, following the Lord Jesus. Um, if you're a Christian tonight and you're thinking, actually, yeah, life is okay. I'm grateful for that. Do bear in mind, of course, that trials happen. Trials will happen at some point in your life. How can you prepare for it? It's really important to prepare for that now. And the way you do that is by gazing on the beauty of Jesus. If you do that now, then your heart will be more transfixed with him. And when trial comes, you'll be in a much better place to deal with that. Your heart will be in a better place. And even better, actually, you know, maybe take the opportunity to dig into some of your fears, which can be difficult and painful, but... I've had a time of the past year of kind of reflecting on some of this for myself and I've been reflecting on things like kind of uh, habits of thought in my family as I was growing up, kind of the kind of scripts that pop into my head whenever something comes up and that's been a very helpful thing to really understand my fears a bit more. And So you understand your fears and then compare them to the beauty of Jesus. Compare them and see that Jesus is far, far greater uh, far more weighty than how bad that fear might seem. And that's how you grow. And when you're in trial, boy, that will help you when you get to difficult time, fearful time. And as I said earlier, if you are a Christian and you are in a very, very difficult time at the moment, just, it's not straightforward, I know that. It's really not. Keep trying to gaze on the beauty of Jesus. Keep trying that. And we will need help. That's why we come to church and that's why that's the normal thing that God knows is good for us because we come to church to help each other gaze on the beauty of Jesus because it's hard. So that's why we need each other and you know, even think of the practical things to help you do that. If you're thinking, oh, it's too tough, I can't even get through the doors of the church this week. Well, maybe, is there anyone, anyone who you could call up 
text to say, could you just help me walk through the doors of the church? That would be such a help. I need to come, I know, but it's just difficult. Or offer or ask them to read kind of a psalm over the phone or something like that. Just to help our hearts gaze on Jesus' beauty. So that's the second thing. Feed your heart with a beauty that outweighs anything. And then lastly, lastly, how to nurture a fearless heart. Cry out from your heart. Cry out from your heart. I see that this is, this is what David is doing in this second half of the psalm here. That he is not ashamed to cry out from deep within him to God. These are words of real confidence. So first of all, he cries out from his heart for help. So verse 7, let me read. Hear the confidence in this. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my Savior. Though my mother and father forsake me, the Lord will receive me. See that? Even, even parents have a breaking point, but God's love never has a breaking point. You can cry out to help. That's what he's doing here. And so for us, and this really, I think, is all sorts of lies we can believe in in life, the lie to not believe here is don't believe the lie that it's shameful to cry out for help. Don't believe that lie. No, it's just good. David needs to do this. This helps him. Cry out for help. It helps your heart as you do that. Cry out for help. Uh, then he moves on to, he cries out from his heart for holiness. Now I'll explain what I mean by this, but let me read from verse 11. He carries on. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not hand me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. Do you see? He's, um, what he wants to do, he wants to go about things God's way, not making up his own way. He's saying, teach me your way, Lord. Your way, not my way, your way, Lord, verse 11. Then lead me on a straight path. So he wants to do what is right in God's sight, not, you know, whatever he can get away with. What is this? Lead me on a straight path here. Don't let me go, go off the, off track. Go wayward. I need a straight path. Help me here, Lord. Do not hand me over. And he wants to, to grow in honoring God, even in these difficult times he's looking back on and maybe he's in now. He wants to grow in honoring God and not honoring himself. So the, the lie to not believe here is don't believe the lie that disobeying God is your best option. It's easy to think that, isn't it? You can see like a, it seems like an open door to, there's something difficult going on. If, oh, if I just did that, I think that'll sort out my problem. But I know that will be disobeying God, that'll be against his, uh, his word. But, but that seems like that will sort me out. That would dishonor Jesus, but I need to take... No, no, don't believe that. Don't believe that. It's a lie. David says, teach me your way, God. That is the best way. God will honor that. And then lastly, he cries out from his heart for hope. 
for hope last of all. Verse 13, he says, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Take heart and wait for the Lord. And the word wait doesn't really mean, doesn't mean he's delayed. It's more like hoping with expectation. Yeah, I'm waiting. I will see God's goodness. So as we cry out from our hearts, don't believe the lie that God has abandoned you. He will come to you. He will draw near you. Cry out from your heart for help, for holiness, and for hope. As we turn to kind of um, begin to kind of wrap up a bit, um, I just want to share, really, I've been reading something over the past week um, about dementia. And, you know, we know that kind of dementia is a, a very, very difficult, uh, awful disease, uh, losing your memory and how that, uh, how re- relationships are affected so badly. That is an awful, awful disease. I was reading some research about Christians with dementia and how they cope and how can they be supported in that. And really, I just found it such an amazing example of people having seemingly everything to fear as things feel to just fall away from them. And yet being able to have a fearless heart. Seems like everything to fear, but actually having a fearless heart. Amazing. And I have a few examples of quotes I want to... Um, these are on the screen. Let me read these out. Of a few people, these are real quotes from real people, who have nurtured a fearless heart and can now face anything. So they've nurtured a fearless heart over their lifetime following the Lord Jesus. So Alice says this. Alice says, Lord, this is your gift for here. I will accept it. And with your help, I will do what I can in order to reflect your glory in it. Ron says, I'll never lose that joy. But I have lost my memory. But I'll never lose that joy, he says. Rosemary, I'm so grateful for what God's given me. We'll come to that in a second. But do you, do you see that that is, I just find that so encouraging. I feel like I'm only just starting to take this in, really. Do you see, but they've nurtured a fearless heart and they can look back and now their heart's in a good place, even with things not looking good in so many ways. And a quick application, really, for us as church with this in mind is that our role is to nurture together fearless hearts. Hearts that love the Lord Jesus. So here's a quote from um, Christine, also suffering with dementia. She said this, My relationship with God needs increasing support from you, my other in the body of Christ, from church. I need you to minister to me, to sing with me, to pray with me, to be my memory for me. Very striking that, isn't it? But do you see, I... Church, actually, that is a picture of church. We are to help each other to, by praying, by singing, by remembering and recalling, to gaze on the beauty of Jesus, to take our fears to him, to talk to each other's hearts and cry out together. That's what church is. So every time you do that, every time you pick up the phone and share a verse with someone, every time you pray for someone or you, you, you share that you're praying with them or for them, 
Or every time you text someone and say, how was that meeting? I know you were anxious about that. that this is what you're doing. You're, you're nurturing each other's hearts together. And one very practical and final a word of um, something that I think will be a help is that um, we have a... Uh, on the way out, you're very welcome to linger because we can linger now for a bit longer inside the church building, which is great. And because of that, we put out some, some mini-books, um, which I hope are a real help uh, to uh, many of us. We all have needs. We all find things difficult. We all need help. And we all struggle to know, well, what is, how do I receive God's help? How do I walk in holiness? How do I um, uh, grow in hope in this thing I'm going through? Well, these little books can be a real help. Um, so do please stay afterwards and have a look and pick one up, pick lots up for yourself or someone you know. Uh, here are a couple. Um, grief, finding hope again. Freedom from guilt, finding release from your burdens. We have help in these matters in all sorts of ways. So let me commend those to you. So talk to your heart. Feed your heart and cry out from your heart to God. Let's pray together as we finish. Heavenly Father, we do uh, really want to take a moment to, to think of our fears. To at least recognize that we have fears. And they are very deep and they, yeah, they're very deep in our hearts, Lord. We thank you for this testimony of David to look back and say that whatever he's feared, you are faithful. And you helped him. You kept him. Help us to know tonight, right now, each of us, that we are safe with you. You hold us strong. That Jesus is the most beautiful person, thing we could ever want to gaze upon. He who gave his life for us. We who would turn against him, yet he sacrificed himself for us. What beauty. And help us to cry out to you. You are our help, our hope. Help us to walk in your way without fear. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.